Hey everyone, welcome back to Ramble On. It's been a while since I've done an episode, but I'm really happy to be back. Uh, it's took me, it's taken me a while because um, I've been going through um, this battle that I'm gonna uh, be talking about in today's episode, which is mental health. And um, I never, never thought that um, I personally myself would um, have any mental health issues, but. Uh, when you really don't know and you seek professional help, you start finding out things about yourself that you may even yourself have never known. Um, for, first of all, I want to say, um, if uh, especially for low-income people, um, if you've ever had any thoughts of uh, suicide, depression, or anything like that, please see a professional. Um, it, it helps a lot. Um, also if you've ever thought about even just going to see someone, just to talk to someone, um, for therapy purposes, uh, to make yourself a better person, to try to do whatever you can to make your day-to-day life a lot easier, please go see someone. Um, it's helped me a lot. And in today's episode, I'll be talking a lot about, um, everything that happened to me from really the point that I decided to, um, get up and, uh, leave my wife. To the point that I am at now, and um, the whole process, and really what actually happened that caused me to leave my wife so abruptly, as um, she has experienced it, and um, and it's it's really um, I think a very interesting story. Well, first of all, um, mental illness or mental health. In low income, I think poverty stricken areas is something that's not talked about very often, and um, I think for me, one it, it's going to be so weird because one of the biggest issues or um, I think problems with mental health in low income um, communities that is kind of frowned upon, and really no one really talks about um, doing the doing uh, the right thing to getting yourself healthy. Especially when it comes to the mind, um, a lot of thoughts that you may have um, coming from these low stricken areas, or even from any area, where um, you know there's a lot of pressure for you to um, perform. Um, you know, weakness is looked at as a a crutch, and we don't really it doesn't really allow room for growth. Um, we have to we have to start learning how to identify our weaknesses and, and not just our physical ones, but also our psychological ones. And this is really important thing um, that we all need to combat and start um, getting the stigma away from. Um, it's it's so weird. I never really had anyone to really advocate mental health um, that much um, around my life growing up from you know, from as far as I can remember, which is very funny because the opposite could be said to my to my wife, where I would always advocate that she should uh, seek professional help for um, her anxiety, um, um, you know, issues, and um, and she has, and I, and it's funny that I've always used to push that on her, and I might never myself thought that maybe I might need something of professional health, um, professional help with my mental health myself, um, until I got closer to the end of what 
um, was almost potentially a divorce between me and my wife. Um, right before up into the point that I left my wife, I started to thinking about therapy. And it's funny because even the thought about therapy really never came to mind for myself, but really came to mind because of this really famous person. Many of you may know him, uh, Sean Carter, uh, also known as Jay-Z. Um, I remember one day I was on a YouTube and I watched him talk about how th- therapy uh, helped save his marriage. Um, it helped him uh, grow as a person. Um, there were so many things and he wasn't the only person. Uh, lately, I've been very fond of even Kanye West um, with him dealing with his mental disorder. Or I hate saying that word disorder because it sounds horrible, but uh, mental health and um, what I think also he's has been diagnosed with what I think, um, which I'll look it up here in a second. But, um, you know, he's dealt with a lot as well. And um, it's interesting to see those people, um, you know, really open up publicly about mental health and I think it's 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 gonna change overall generationally how we approach and see mental health which we still have a lot to learn which you know is it it's it I think one of the areas where I, I don't think a lot of progress is being made and um, you know you hear more about techno technological side of um, advancements but we rarely ever hear about psychological advancements and it's just so hard because the mind is such a tricky place. Um, but um, yeah, going back, um, Jay-Z really did um, talk about this and he talked about how it helped him in his marriage and it was really important to me. And Kanye West also opening up to David Letterman and talking about his, um, um, I, I'm pretty sure he's bipolar, um, and he talked about his mental health and how um, it changed a lot of things. And um, it, it it's it's something that we don't hear that often. So I'm here today really to talk about my story, about my mental health and um, what happened um, through this period. So um, shortly... Shortly before I decided to up and leave my wife, I like I said, I thought about seeking therapy, potentially help me. I eventually got to a point um, right at the point where I could no longer, I felt at the time that I could no longer be with my wife for reasons, um, I, you know, that I won't really get too much into, um, but um, for for reasons that I believed were justified at the time and that I believe she herself understood and made sense um, when I said them to her. Um, it made sense to me when I said them at the time. But what I really didn't know is what I was actually dealing with that actually uh, made me have made me justify the thoughts themselves and um, kind of not really have an understanding of what was really going on. And um, shortly after I left, um, me and my wife split up. I, I, I started talking to someone, um, you know, and during this time that I was talking to this person, um, I was seeking, I was at therapy 
And being at therapy was really something that was very interesting because I was able to communicate what was going on during this um, relationship between me and this person and how it was affecting me in my day-to-day life. And it was interesting to see, even now when I think about the days where where I was going to therapy, my ups and downs in the relationship that I had with this person that that I barely even knew, um, but that I was trying to get to know and see my ups and downs and how I felt at the time that I couldn't control. And it's funny because one of the first things that my therapist asked me um, when I first saw her was, what is your goal for therapy? Why is it that you want to be here? And I remember clear as day saying that um, that I would wanted to try to control my emotions. It was really, it really strange, right? Because I didn't think that that was something that was, um, I didn't think that was something that wasn't possible. I also didn't think that there had they that alone, that statement alone may have given insight to what potentially uh, could have been some type of um, what we call mental disorder, mood disorder. Um, And it was very strange. I never thought about it at the time. So I went with the idea. I was very open. I actually love my therapist. um, She was, um, she works through the VA. She was great. And uh, I, I honestly should go continue to see her and let her know how I am doing. Um, but while I was um, going to her to for therapy, I started to really, I got to a point during my therapy sessions, and this is probably a couple weeks into my therapy session, where um, I felt that I no longer needed my therapist because I understood what she was telling me. We got to a point where pretty much when it came down to emotional control, you as the the self had to realize that um, no one can make you really feel any type of way. And everything caused by what we believe may be an external source is always actually caused by the internal source, by the self. So, um, and it, that when I when I first when we were first talking about it, um, it was really interesting because that idea that I myself was causing my own pain was really unique. I in it's not to say that I haven't I, I haven't heard it. I have heard it before, but putting it into practice was something that I've never done in my life. And when I started putting it into practice, I started seeing changes to my mood and my behavior. And it kind of, at a point, it made me feel like I was kind of cheating. Like if I understood this code that no one else understood and that I was cheating my way through things. And because of my understanding of how to, what I believe was how to control my emotions, in which I still honestly believe I've now become a lot better at 
because of what we'll get into here shortly. Um, but because I felt like I have gotten, I was good at it, I, I started to have these heightened states of what I thought were awareness. But uh, according to um, to my diagnosis, were actually hypo, hypomanic. Hypo, yeah, so, um, which is really strange. I remember um, having uh, these talks with my friends of things that were going on around me and how I was able to see people's auras. And, um, and I was actually pretty accurate at it. It wasn't even something that wasn't, um, that I wasn't really, um, afraid to talk about. I was very open to talking about how I was feeling during these states of really high highs. Um, and I was open to the idea that, um, it was more than just, um, something that was going on internally, like, a a um, a psychological process that was going on. I believe, while yes, it was mental, I believe some, that I thought at the time that it was something that I myself was able to sort of kind of unlock um, by understanding more of myself. And that understanding allowed me to achieve a level of heightened awareness and consciousness that other people weren't privy to. And it was very interesting when I was in those states because I, again, was very aware of things that were going on around me. I was also very aware that um, when it got dark, so I had this struggle of during uh, this period as well, and this is almost like a three-month period, four-month period with me and actually were separated, and I was dealing with all of this. Um, was dealing with this period where during the daytime, the goodness of people would be out. The, you know, I would see the well in people, and then I started seeing dark things at nighttime, and um, it was very, very strange. Um, I would be even scared to go out at nighttime, and I would be very, very wor- worried if I wasn't around people that I knew and love, and that I knew would take care of me in any situation. I would try to avoid those situations entirely, whereas during the day, the you know my heightened state would allow me to uh, walk around and you know experience things in ways that others may have not. And it's funny because eventually, it kind of took a turn for um, the worse when I started to have I I ended up. Um, What I would say, I'm not going to get into what actually happened because it's pretty, uh, not graphic, but it's, it's, it's pretty intense. When I went, I kind of conducted what I believed at the time was some sort of, uh, ritual that I had no clue that I was doing and, but I was conscious that I was happening, but I felt like it was something outside of myself that was controlling me. And I conducted this kind of ritual, and when I conducted this ritual, I felt like I was even in a bigger and higher state of awareness, and um, and it just continued, and it continued to ramp up, ramp up, ramp up, until there wasn't really no, there wasn't really no part of coming down, it was more like I was able to live in those two sides of the coin that were really at the lowest point and also at the highest point at the same time with nothing in between. 
Now, with this being said, I've told a couple people what happened. I told my my wife, which we were still separated at the time. I told her what happened. I told um, my my wife then actually told my sister, Normarie, which then she found out. And eventually, um, that led to kind of like a really small family intervention where we, with... uh, with the fa- with um with my sister's uh kid's father's who is a uh, de- detective and we kind of ha- sat down and we all had a conversation and him being a former veteran and as well as me being a veteran and the things that I've had to deal with um with war and he has he's seen things and so have I that um some of us uh you know will never experience and also, too, with that comes the idea of, you know, veterans, a lot of veterans commit suicide. And he was, you know, one of the concerns was that he doesn't want to see, he didn't want to see one, you know, one of ours, you know, something happen to myself. And I didn't want anything to happen to myself, which is weird because I never had the any idea or thoughts of actually hurting myself but I did it anyways, in a way that I felt wasn't a big deal, and it wasn't, it was, um, very small pricks to the finger, um, during what I believe was a a ritual that I was doing, and, um, but that was the extent of it, it was nothing more than that, and when I explained everything that happened to, uh, my sister, uh, my wife, who were, again, I, I don't I str- can't stress enough that we weren't together at the time. And um, uh, and John, th- when I told them all this, um, you know, they were really concerned. And um, that night, you know, I, I think they were really worried and they left. Um, and I went to sleep in my mother's house, which is where I was staying at the time. And I went to sleep, and I woke up that middle of the night, and I and I didn't, there was just people laughing upstairs, and to me, it felt like a demonic kind of laughed, um, laughter, and um, I just couldn't sleep through it, so um, it was at that time that I called up my wife, again, Ashley at the time, and I asked her if she could call John, that I wanted to self-admit myself to a, to a hospital, um, and so I did that. I went through the process. He came over shortly after the call and, um, he, we went to St. Mary's. I went to the hospital because it was a religious, I believed it was a religious hospital, um, which I would never go to the hospital again. Um, but I went to the hospital and, um, you know, everything was fine. I self-admitted, I went in, I changed my clothes, they put me in a gown, I sat in a room, but while I was in the room, I felt like there was people uh, coming into the area where I was that were actually very threatening, at least they seemed very threatening at the time to me, um, and I was really worried that those people were going to try to attack me, and and this is people that I have no clue who they were, um, but I was rationalizing it in a way that... Um, it made sense to me at the time, and that uh, these figures were very threatening. Even the nurses, some of the, not the nurses, but um, even some of the like, um, I don't even know what you call them, what CPAs or you know, like 
the people who like help the nurses and shit like that, like even some of them, they they didn't to me didn't I couldn't be around them. I didn't want them being around me. Um, I would ask for to speak to someone, and they would deny me that option. The only people who were nice to me there were really the, uh, this nurse and one of the nurses, which is funny. Her name was Mary, which I was in St. Mary's, and her name was Mary, and she was a religious person, um, and she was very, very nice, um, and she really helped me uh, cope with the situation that I was in which a lot of people didn't, and I don't think a lot of people realize, which I still feel bad to this day because I pretty much had her on the verge of tears. She was pretty much crying while she was next to me because I, I think she um, couldn't real, I, you know, she didn't know what to do and how I was feeling. Um, she was trying to acknowledge my feelings while also um, trying to take care of her responsibilities there at the hospital doing her job. And um, it was very difficult. That 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 day was a very difficult day um, for for myself. And I remember that was a really really hard day. And I struggled there a lot. And eventually, um, and 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 I want to point out that throughout this whole time, I was not being violent. Um, I was not being. Uh, I was probably being a little rational, but nothing that wasn't rational to me at the time. I was not flailing. I was not doing anything that you would expect from someone who might be having some type of uh, crisis or some type of mental crisis or, or, or episode. And um, and shortly after the psych, I think the psychiatrist came. We talked for a little bit. I kind of explained everything that was going on, and somehow. From the guy who self-admitted, one of the one of the what I want to point out here is one of the things that I told um, who I consider my brother-in-law, John, my sister's uh, uh, kid's father, is that um, I told him I said, "Listen, one of the things that I, why I'm self-admitting is because I don't want to, I don't want to get sedated." Which and I told them that I believe they were gonna do that. I was like, I don't want to get sedated. I don't want to be put to sleep. I just want to go in peacefully, uh, self-admit myself, and get taken care of. And um, he said, Sure. Well, I'll try to make sure. I'll do my best to you know to see what I can do. And um, he stood he stood with me through most of the process. Um, and. Eventually, they somehow came to the consensus that it was within their best effort to actually sedate me. And um, I don't know how. I don't know why I was not being violent. You can ask anyone who was there. Um, ask, I, you know, anyone who was there, even John himself. I wasn't being violent. I wasn't being, uh, like, trying to hurt anybody, anything of that sort. I was being very compliant with everything that I was told. And I, I don't know. I don't know why they did it. And I this, still to this day, I really don't understand. But nonetheless, um, I got sedated. And when I woke up, I woke up in a completely different hospital um, that was, I think, in Torrington. I think it was in Torrington. It was called Gunth- Gunther, Gunther or something like that hospital. And that's where I was admitted to. And I stood there for two weeks. And throughout those two weeks that I was there, um, I it, it was 
I was happy to be there because even in a facility or area where you're you're supposed to feel safe, I felt so unsafe, even by the people who were there around me. And it's kind of like if I was the only sane one there and everyone else was um, crazy. That's how I kind of felt at the at the time. But I understood. And as I got to know some of the people that I was there for two weeks, um, there were some of the nicest people. I met someone named Debbie. She was a great, nice person. I won't talk about any of their problems. That's not my place. Um, I met so many people. Um, There were so many great people who were very supportive, who had their own demons that they had to deal with. And um, it was very interesting and a very, I think, a great experience, something that I think that I'm happy that I've went through um, because it allows me to see that many of us are actually struggling, struggling with our own demons and our own mental issues and in our own ways. And, um, and from all walks of life, you know, um, so it was very interesting, um, to see, uh, some of these people there. Oh, excuse me. Oh shit. Uh, sorry. <laughs> and, um, yeah, honestly, it, it, it was very, very interesting. Um, I completed my two weeks I went through all the sessions, you know, we talked a lot about our feelings, um, you know, about what we would do if we relapse. And one of the things I want to point out, which I, I didn't say earlier, um, a lot of a lot of this was done um, or um, everything that happened to the point where it started to the to almost to where I got to um, the hospital, I was practically uh, smoking, uh, marijuana a lot, like a lot. I'm talking about almost probably every day. Uh, I was vaping it through a vape pen. Um, so it was, it's something that I was doing that helped me. Um, I really do. Um, unfortunately I do enjoy, um, smoking marijuana. It's probably not for everybody. I was abusing it at the time, which isn't a good thing. But that abuse is believed to what has um, helped brought out potentially what was already there. And which was having that uh, what they call manic episode. And um, they believe it was marijuana induced. That's what they call it. A marijuana induced psychosis. They believe that because I was smoking so much that it actually helped induce this state um, that I was in, and because of that, supposedly lend, ended up to me being in the hospital, which ultimately I agree and don't agree with, because I ended up in the hospital by choice. Um, obviously, it was something that I felt I needed to do um, to be in more in a more stable environment um, that would allow me to recover um, correctly, which was great, I think. Um, but I also don't agree with, um, and some of you may agree or disagree with what I'm even saying right now, but, um, I also don't agree that marijuana is really the victim here. I think it was a lack of discipline on my part and the abuse of the drug that allowed me to, um, to, for this to happen. And, uh, yeah, so we talked a lot about, uh, while we were there at uh, the hospital, the mental hospital, talked a lot about our our our, our you know vices, 
for me at the time it was marijuana and it kind of um still is um i really do enjoy the drug um i haven't done it in such a long time um but i do enjoy it i haven't done it in a while and i've been great off of it um but after all of this was settled and done me and my wife actually ended up did we ended up actually getting back together um, through this whole experience and everything, we got back together. And it was really interesting because, you know, from the point that it happened to when it was over, at least in the hospital aspect of it, um, she was there for me the whole time. And that was a really big factor of me uh, understanding why was it that I wanted to go back. And that was a big deal for me. Um, also the fact that everything that I learned through my therapy sessions with this other person and what I learned about myself, I never used that and implemented that into the life that I had with Ashley. So I also wanted to give her, uh, a, a fair chance if she wanted to give me the chance to show her that I have changed, um, which she did allow me that opportunity. But even after we were back together, I still... Um, I was prescribed medication. I was on medication the whole time I was at uh, this hospital, and um, when I surely when I came back home shortly after, I um, I stopped I stopped I weaned myself off of the medication and stopped taking them on entirely. I felt that I did not need the medication. I convinced myself that it was uh, within my best. Uh, best possible, um, reasoning that it wasn't for me, um, that it wasn't causing me more harm than it was good. I didn't like the way I was feeling on them, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I eventually did stay off of them and I was pretty much fine always while I was off of them. I was, I was very doing very well. It wasn't until most really recently that I decided, um, that I decided to actually start going back on uh, my medication. And um, I'm on, if it doesn't matter for some of you guys, but if some of you guys want to know what I'm on, I'm actually on Risperidone. Um, but, you know, I decided to go on my medication because one day I went over to my sister's house and we were talking. To, we 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 have we've had a lot. I've had a lot of family issues growing up since I was very young till still to this day where I, where I deal with uh, my parents and my parents behave like they're t well. My mother behaves. Unfortunately, it's really her. She behaves like a teenager. Um, and me and my sister, as the well, my sister being the most adult out of I believe out of even four the four siblings, which is me, my brother. Uh, herself and my other sister Sharon um, always falls the responsibility always falls on her which we've talked about and we I always feel bad because it's very true but we we were sitting around and we were talking one day about my mom's uh, health and eventually I was talking to my sister about yeah you know um, my, of myself and how they think I'm bipolar, which I haven't told you guys. That was kind of like my diagnosis. I was kind of diagnosed with, with bipolar by my psychiatrist, um, which at the time, which I'm going to go back a little bit, but when he first diagnosed me with bipolar, it hit me like a ton of bricks. I was so heartbroken. I felt, 
Um, like, how is this possible? Um, how can I have this mood disorder or, or, you know, where I'm constantly up and down? Like, I've never thought this would happen to me, so on and so forth. Eventually, because of that, I think, honestly, because of that diagnosis, I felt like I didn't need to be on this medication because I was always functioning fine without it. And this episodic uh, moment in my life happened once because potentially um, I was abusing the marijuana drug. So I, I weaned myself off again, and that leads to me ended up talking to my sister about this. Um, my mother. Come to find out that my mother herself is bipolar. And I had no clue. I never knew that my mother was bipolar. Um, no, we never, this is something that we never talk about um, in my family. We don't really talk about mental health or just in general. I think in low-income families, we don't really ever talk about our family history. Um, I really do, I really honestly don't know much about my family's health um, besides kind of like my father who now I think, believe he has, uh, he, my father has, has had heart attacks, so he has um, heart, heart problems himself, which ho- hopefully I don't have those when I get older. Um, but I think that also comes with exercise and diet, which he has probably not the best of, um, as far as diet. Um, you know, so when we were, me and my sister, Norma Marie, were having this conversation about my mother and how she's bipolar depressive. So she has a dual diagnosis. Um, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It hit me so hard, I really couldn't understand um, why it was that um, that I never knew about this before. And why now? Why now and during this time? And it, it, it made a huge impact because from that moment that me and my sister had that conversation, I decided to go back on my medication and I started taking my medication uh, on a daily basis now. And it's actually helped me a lot. It's helped me and my wife a lot. And now when I'm actually off of it, I can actually see a difference between when I'm on it and to where I'm off of it. And I can see and point out my behaviors that I couldn't before that I thought were normal, you know, that were my normal behaviors, which weren't actually normal. Um, which is another thing that I really want to get into um, this concept that one of the things I said earlier about all these concepts is that there most of these concepts are based on observations. Um, psychology is the study of the mind, but when it comes to disorders, some of these can be attributed to uh, specific um, neurotransmitters, which we understand. Um, but how it actually happens, we never, we'll never really know. And why does it happen is something I think we don't know as well. And with that being said, I want to talk about this idea of normal because I realize that a lot of um, psych, psychology's um, behavioral psychology, I guess, um, has to do with this idea of normality and what normal really is. And I, I honestly don't agree with that concept because... To say that something is normal is to say that there's a standard um, of how people should behave. 
Um, I, I honestly believe that there is no standard model on behavior. I think that um, there's behaviors that we would like for people to exhibit um, that may be conducive to a specific type of environment and social uh, hierarchy that we have all agreed to. Um, but the idea of actual uh, normality doesn't exist. There's no possible way that someone is the epitome. There's there, you ever have you ever heard of someone just being normal like hi everyone my name is Emmanuel and I'm the most normal person you've ever seen. No, that's just really doesn't exist. There, I honestly believe that there's there's <laughs> there's not really normal people. I think there's boring people. I think there's exciting people. I, I, I think there's different types of people, but a normal person, I don't know what that means. I think collectively as a society, we've decided what's normal and the idea that uh, people should behave in a specific fashion. Um, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that my what how I was behaving before was incorrect. I want to point that out. The The whole point of this talk is that I believe that everyone, if you think you need help, then you should go get help. I personally believe that I needed the help. Um, I self-admitted because I needed the help at the time. I weaned myself off my pills because I, I thought I was doing the right thing and I didn't need help at the time. When I found out that my mother herself was bipolar, um, which I'm bipolar type 2, which um, is one of the bipolar disorders. If yeah, if I didn't even know myself, trust me that there was more than one type of bipolar. Um, but bipolar type 2 is one that f can function on a day-to-day -day basis without having really any uh, really manic episodes. But they, they do happen, and it happened to me, and I think that's what actually happened. Now... We, we, we have identified these things as being problems. I don't know if they're considered problems, but as things that happen within people of that have that exhibit these symptoms, which is interesting. But um, this idea of normality drives me crazy. Um, it really does. If anything, that drives me crazier than anything because nowadays we live in an age where uh, nothing... Nothing of what you believe is normal is normal. There are so many people that are so unique and in their own ways, very different, that we need to acknowledge that we're all different. And not all of us, there's there's all, I, in medication, and medicating someone isn't always a solution and it oh, isn't always the answer. I think there we need to find, I think psychology has a big ways to go. I think we need to really figure out what's going on with the brain. I think more studies have to be done so we can understand the brain more and understand really why is it that, we, you know, some of us have this disorder that they believe is a problem. I don't know. I'm assuming that people don't like the behaviors of it and it's been classified as such um, that it needs uh, some type of medication to, um, to be maintained and in some cases I understand some cases are more severe than others where in my case it wasn't it's not as severe but we need to acknowledge that that normal doesn't exist I personally believe that um, I think again we've come to the consensus of what normal behavior 
um, as a society should look like. Um, but that doesn't mean you should agree with that. Um, and that also doesn't mean that you just can go around killing people and that's okay. Um, but I, I really wanted to talk about this today, about this episode and, um, about my mental health. I have a little bit, I know I don't really get too much into specifics, but I kind of tell you the story of how it happened, what happened. And I hopefully, um, it helps some of you guys again, if you feel any type of way, please, please see, uh, see somebody, talk to somebody. It doesn't even have to be a professional. It can just be a friend. Talk to someone you can confine in and tell them how you're feeling your thoughts and really let them know someone that's not going to judge you and is just going to be there to listen to you. And that's really important. And um, I think we all need someone like that in our lives. And if you don't, um, again, there's professionals who are willing to do that um, with no judgment at all. with that being said, I'm going to probably end it here. Um, I want to thank you guys. It's been a while, so thank you for riding along with me. Um, if you'd listen to this episode, please subscribe to us. I'm going to try to come back to doing my podcast and putting out an episode every uh, week, hopefully, at least two or three a week, and get back to just rambling and really just talking about the things in our lives and uh, the things that I think a lot of us are interested about or just the thoughts that are just in my head and I just want to put out there. And I appreciate you guys all. Thank you for listening. I love you guys all. You guys are all part of the family. And um, continue to ramble on, continue to keep the conversation going. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Okay, thanks. Bye.